podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. At Discount Tire, we know your time is valuable. Get 30% shorter average wait time when you buy and book online. Did you know Discount Tire now sells wiper blades? Check out our current deals at DiscountTire.com or stop in and talk to an associate today. Discount Tire. Let's get you taken care of. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. It's the Marketer's Report. This week, Patrizia Spagnoletto, Global Chief Marketing Officer, Direct to Consumer for Warner Brothers Discovery, weighs in on the difficult task of building and retaining consumer trust. Trust is a really hard thing to build and a really easy thing to destroy, and we have to be very respectful about that. Our partnership with iHeart has really helped us build that trust and that relationship with the on-air talent. The best thing for us to do is to build a relationship with our consumers. And if those consumers have a relationship with the DJs that are on air, then we want to build on that. House of the Dragon, which was one of our most successful, if not the most successful campaign we've ever done for a show, audio was a core part of that. As the number one audio company, iHeartMedia gives you access to all. Every audience, live conversations, trusted influencers, and the insights and data you need to grow. Not just a media company, iHeartMedia is your access company. Go to iHeartResults.com for more. Welcome to a Celtic State of Mind. I'm Paul John Dykes. Today I am joined by Laura Bradburn and Colin Watt for the Match Day Special. Welcome to the show, guys. Uh, we'll be talking about the Livingston uh, match coming up. Colin, you've already spoken to a couple of people in the Livingston camp. Uh, we'll be looking at the Celtic lineup. We'll be trying to figure out the shape. And straight off the bat, we'll be going into some of the, the comments that are coming in. Here's the first one coming in from the Duda Bides. Why is <laughs> Brown playing by the way I love that avatar avatar of the day you're watching on YouTube um, the reason I'm bringing this up guys is we heard obviously from the club that captain leader and legend Scott Brown will have a Celtic Park tribute at the end of the season the last game at Celtic Park will be a tribute to Scott Brown on the 12th of May uh, our illustrious captain will be uh, closing the door on a trophy laden career at Celtic Park Um Last week, John Kennedy was talking about sentimentality. Colin Watt, um, is this a wee bit more sentimental? The fact that Scott Brown's in the team, would you rather have sorrow in there? I guess when you look at it, um, you're starting to plan ahead for next season. And to see Scott Brown still in there, you're thinking... Look, there's guys like, and I've seen it in the comments already, Henderson that should be maybe given a go. Um, guys that are definitely going to be there next year, but I think Kennedy's really got one eye on the game next week, and he's also got an eye on the Scottish Cup final. 
um, and he's determined to get the most amount of points that he can because let's be honest he probably still thinks he's in with a running of getting the job so if he can put the team on the park that goes and wins the three points that's more important to him than player development Do you think he is still in the running Colin? What's your honest opinion on that? Is he in the running for the Celtic job? Personally I don't think so um, but I mean he's got every right to think he is because he's the person that's in caretaker position at the minute he's kind of trying to guide the team through as best as he possibly can and all he has to do is take a look at what happened to Neil Lennon when he was in caretaker charge he was given the job so Kennedy's got every right to think that he's, he's in with it it's probably what he wants to do he wants to move into management it's, it's his audition as such as much as us as Celtic fans and everybody will say no they don't want him as Celtic manager but he, he's got that position to kind of prove that it's his and his to keep it's up to him how he plays it well, when you actually hear anything that Kennedy says about the job, he's obviously uh, very careful with the words he uses, uh, but he's never said, you know, I'm in it, I want it, any of this kind of stuff. He just says, I will uh, conduct myself as a Celtic manager until I'm told otherwise. Uh, but on the subject of Scott Brown, Laura, I've already said, without a shadow of a doubt, with next week... Um, you know, in mind and with any Scottish Cup run in mind, I would be playing sorrow in there. Uh, what's your thoughts on it? Yeah, um, it was interesting to hear what Colin said there because I, I, I think, obviously, and this is speaking as somebody who's made my thoughts on Scott Brown clear um, over over the last few weeks and months, uh, he's never been a favourite of mine. I can understand um, that there might be a, a desire to involve him in games more um, because he's leaving for a maybe a sentimental reason or whatever. But to me, it comes down to looking at the squad we have, who is the best team that we can pick for, for this game today to try and win this game. Mm-hmm. If you're looking at it purely through that prism, Scott Brown doesn't come into the first 11 for me. No. And so, therefore, he shouldn't be playing. Um I get that there will be a tribute at the end of the season. That, to me, sparks even more suggestion that, well, up until that point, he shouldn't play for sentimental reasons because he's going to get his send-off. He's going to get his his big hurrah, hopefully in front of some fans, you know, like if if everything continues to go the way it's going. So that is going to come. So there's even less reason to suggest putting him in just now is, is worth doing because, yeah, like I say, Soros got a lot of work to do he's, he's a bit of a rough diamond if you want to call him that but he's certainly a better option than Brown at the moment so so to me he should be in You know when we go back to that moment Colin where we've seen the real arrival of David Turnbull I know that he had played previously but he really uh, put his uh, colours to the mast against Lille performed very very well and he's been one of the kind of shining points of Celtic's uh, otherwise drab season Um, I felt at that time that certainly Sorrow would have also played a part between that game and the end of the season and maybe even Conor Hazard because of the goalkeeper situation but now we're looking at a side where Turnbull has kept his place Sorrow uh, drops to the bench Hazard drops out of the squad do you think Sorrow will be feeling hard done by the fact that he isn't a first pack pick for John Kennedy he could be uh, I mean I don't think he's that kind of person having seen the reaction that he gets when he comes on the park I think he's just happy to be playing um, so the fact that he's actually now been spoke about as if well why isn't he playing as opposed to the start of the season when you're going will we ever see Ishmael Asoro play for Celtic 
that was the kind of thoughts at the start of the season. Is he going to be one of these ones like a Kwasi Ibui who just disappears after a couple of seasons? I was thinking yeah, more Kundai Benyu. Kundai Benyu was the one that came into my head. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, it's the same kind of signing. But no, Soros obviously impressed when he came in at first. Um, I think recent performances haven't been to the standard that he previously set for himself. And do you know what? He's taken a bit of time to adapt to the Scottish game. I think you'll probably see half-hour run-outs now and then and maybe the last two games of the season they'll maybe play the 90. Um, but at, at this point in the season, when everything's kind of done and dusted apart from the Scottish Cup, it would be nice to see him getting a run-out, but I guess it, there's not really a big emphasis on who the 11 is that goes on the park as long as you get the points. Yeah, there is that, but I also think that you've got to do it with, uh, regardless of whether Kennedy's here, with one eye on next season. We need to start looking at, uh, you know, JP's got his his counter, he's got his uh, days to the first game uh, every single Thursday. Uh, behind them on his bookshelf and I think that as a club we need to start looking at that Scott Brown's not going to be here next season uh, I think Soros sh- will be feeling hard done by uh, or he should be he's entitled to be uh, I would say especially when you see guys like Rogic getting thrown in for a start here and there I, I mean I, for me I, I think you're wasting your time with Tom Rogic I think Tom Rogic's Celtic career is finished and uh, I, I wouldn't continually see if we can try and um, get a performance out of him as if it was uh, you know five years ago because that, that Tom Rogic is gone for me so I, I wouldn't persevere with players like that I would be persevering with, with guys that, um, that we have a future uh, they, they have a future at Celtic Park so that's only one position uh, Laura I'm going to come to you are we playing a 4-2-3-1 today I've had a wee look at that uh, selection and that's how I think we'll be lining up. Yeah, I mean it, it looks it looks that way. I don't see any other out and out striker apart from Eduard, which would suggest him um, playing one up front. Um Elianusi, McGregor, Forrest, Turnbull, they're all your kind of like midfielders slash attacking midfielders that would suggest to make up the three and then obviously you've got Brown as well who's the more defensive one so yeah that seems to me without without knowing too much about what the changes have been and, and, and the reasons why I think a 4 2 3 one's the most obvious um, selection. Quite slightly surprising Colin mentioned it before we came on air but slightly surprising to see Taylor at left back considering Laxalt's had a few games recently. Um, not really sure if it's just a squad rotation thing or if it's just a throw a dart at the board and see what sticks but it's uh, yeah that was the only other like big surprise in the team for me apart from that I think everything's you know as you would expect and really encouraging to see Forrest getting another start as well it definitely is Colin would you agree that that's the shape and if so is that with uh, one eye on the Rangers game coming up I think so, definitely. Um, four two three one looks if it's the formation. The only one for me that I think is maybe going to be an imbalance today is on the left hand side. You're playing by what looks as if it's going to be Mohamed Elianusi out there, and he's going to be up against Nicky Devlin. Nicky Devlin, arguably one of the best right backs in the league at the minute. You, you kind of look at it and you go, Elianusi's not really done a lot when he's played out on the left hand side. He's always been better in that sort of combination role, playing off Edward. The one-twos, the, the link-up play has been really good when he's been in the middle. I don't think he's been overly effective out in the left-hand side, so we might struggle out there. You're maybe hoping for Greg Taylor to provide a bit more. But if that was the case, that's when I would have seen Diego Laxalt playing at left-back today because he offers more of an attacking outlet. So, as Laura says, it's a bit of a surprise to see Taylor in there. Um, one eye on next week, I'd be very surprised if there's many changes from that team 
to the team that plays um, in the Scottish Cup next next Saturday. Interesting. You mentioned uh, Nicky Devlin, Colin. You were in the Livingston press conference prior to the the Celtic game. You spoke to Devlin. You spoke to the gaffer Martindale. Were they confident going into today's game? David Martindale's comments were actually very interesting. Um, he, he says he hasn't set a target for the amount of points that they want to pick up over these next five games. But he does believe that he should have no fear in going to Celtic Park and having uh, Rangers at, at Amundville. He believes they're games that they can realistically pick up points in and they're really pushing for a European spot next year. So, I mean, some of his other comments, um, which I'd actually dropped off the press conference by that point when he started talking about potentially picking a fight with Roy Keane if he ever became the Celtic manager, were very interesting to say the least. But he, he does tell you exactly how it is. Um which for some people will be really refreshing for Scottish football. Uh, you've seen things like him coming out and saying what he said, um, Brian Rice at Hamilton basically calling out referees for what he believes is an alleged bias against them. Mm. And in Scottish football, that's not necessarily a bad thing because I think we've always been quite reserved. Um, I think Livingston will definitely come out and have a go here today. Martindale knows that he's got nothing to lose. Top six for them is more than what they could have expected after um, the, the departure of Gary Holt earlier in the season so they'll come out they'll have a go at us and I think we've got to be ready for this it was a close game the first game of the season we've not beat them since it's, it's really going to be tight I think today a couple of points coming through let's uh, dip into the comments thank you for getting involved in Facebook Twitter and on YouTube if you are watching this on YouTube click subscribe we're about 10 subscribers away from 11,000 can we get over that mark during today's game against Livingston here's hoping Jim G is asking does it not make sense to play Roger so he's in the shop window potentially um, there is that but then I think there's maybe an argument for a few of the guys that will be getting shipped out I mean Barkas for example you know I, I said pretty early on didn't I that I would be playing Barkas and Ayeti uh, for mm-hmm. you know the rest of the season uh, to try and assess them, and uh, you know, and the comments that were coming through at that point were, well, you're assessing them on a training pitch, and I think there's a massive difference. To be honest with you, you know, mm-hmm. training training pitch players uh, versus your performance in games. I think there's a huge difference there. So I would have liked to have seen. Ayeti and Barkas, it's quite clear that Kennedy doesn't agree with that because uh, neither of them are getting much of a look in uh, but yeah, I, I take your point, I think there's a, a group of players, Jim like Tom Rogic, uh, that I would put in a category, along with the likes of Nier Beaton, potentially Olivier and Cham player, uh, Lee Griffiths even, players who you know, are probably coming to the end of their career, Laura, and whose sell-on value is not going to be great, um, so I'm not sure if it would make a huge difference, you know um, because I know Tom Rogic's agent I'm pretty sure all season has been putting out the feelers for a move at the end of this campaign Yeah, uh, the shop window argument is a difficult one because you, you, your immediate thought is who does it benefit because you're you're selling a player unless it's in a situation like Eduard where it's a player you're trying to sell for a massive fee to a bigger club where you are getting the benefits still of them being a superior player to a lot of the other ones that you have on offer um, Rogic is a situation where it doesn't benefit us today playing against Livingston to play him 
in the hope that there might be a scout watching who will pay money for him um, going forward. So, but on the other hand, I get Jim's point that uh, that there's got to be some sort of advertisement of of what he can do. My only my only argument against that would be I, I'm not sure. I have very limited knowledge of how transfers work and how far in advance they work. But I, I would think clubs have been tracking players for much longer than just the last couple of months of a season to know whether they want them or not. Uh, certainly in this day and age with all the statistics and, and information that's available at their fingertips. So I would think that anybody that was going to come in for Rodgers or anybody like that would already know that they were going to come in for him and they don't need to see extra games between now and the end of the season to make that decision. Um, that's all guesswork on my part, but it's certainly how I would expect it to be. Yeah, I'm I going think- to disagree with you both on Tom Rodgers and I'm going to agree with you and Boy here that you just brought up on screen, Paul. I think there's still a lot more to come out of Tom Rogic. I think the problem you've had is you've kind of relied on him a lot for creativity this season because there hasn't been a vast amount of it. There's been nothing down the right-hand side, nothing down the left-hand side, and it's all had to come through the middle. Where Tom Rogic comes into his game is where he can kind of split open the defences, and that's when you're looking for a James Forrest to kind of cut inside his man and break onto the ball, or even you're expecting maybe Ryan Christie to do the same on the other side. I think there's still a lot to come out of Tom Rogic. I know, that obviously, there was talk that he was going to be leaving at the start of this season there, um, and then it took him his time to come back into the side, but when he's in top form, I, I, there's very few better than him in the league. So, right. No, that, that's that's a good balance, and obviously you're in the same boat there as you and Boy Martin, but the, the words that I would highlight are, is when he's in top form. When, when was the last time you've seen that, Colin? There's been a couple of glimpses of that this season, but I'd have to say that there's very few Celtic players this year that have shown top form. I think he's he's kind of the level that he's been dropped to just summarises the, the kind of level of the rest of the players around there. I mean, everybody knows my thoughts on Ryan Christie. I, I would kind of drive Ryan Christie to his next club, but there's still people in there that believe that he's a really good player. He does it for his country. You can see it. There's been a lot of these performances this season, and. I guess you kind of got away with it because everybody's playing at that level so certain players have have managed to get away with that but there's a good player in there and you don't just become a terrible player overnight To come back at you on that Colin if you you extend that argument out beyond Rodgers Lee Griffiths is arguably the best goal scorer in the league still on his day Barkas is an international goalkeeper who's had experience in Greece of winning titles and that kind of thing so he's an excellent goalkeeper on his day you know you could extend this out to basically the 11 players that are playing today the point is if they're not showing it now then and I think I think the difference with Rodgers in particular is he has to me been steadily declining in a way that makes me think that he's never going to be back at the levels we've seen before the same with Griffiths there's other players I would you know Christie I would probably still say has more to offer and there's more chance of getting a good game out of him than than the other two Um, and I think it's about looking at trends as well and seeing where the decline is headed and I think in both Rodgers and Griffiths case you're kind of on a hiding to nothing expecting, expecting more from them beyond this point but that's again that's my opinion that's your yeah. opinion and it's, that's the way it I, I agree with you the only thing I would kind of come back on that is saying when you take a look at the, the idea of um, Lee Griffiths being one of the best goal scorers in the league I mean that, we're going back to a period three managers ago now when he that, was that's banging the point, the that's the point I'm, 
That's the point I'm making, though. I mean, if you make the point that that on their day they're great, then you could be going back however many years to, to make that point. Mm. I think I with Tommy Roderick, it's all about contrib- it's about contribution, isn't it? I mean, the, the yeah. big frustration for me with, with Lee Griffiths, and you know, I think he's a fantastic goal scorer. He's the most natural goal scorer we've got. He's a predator, um, in and around the last third of the, of, the, of the park. But when you look at the last three seasons, and, and you think, well, on average, he's played twenty five games for Celtic. That's not enough. That the contribution isn't enough. And then on Rogic, another fantastic player who has provided us with some special, special moments. I, I would actually. Argue that he's not done enough enough under uh, John Kennedy for a short time. He's been in, in charge, but I don't think, think he done enough under Neil Lennon during Lennon's second tenure either. I think we've seen the best of uh, Big Tom Roderick under Brennan Rogers. So again, we're going back, you know, two managers ago. So yeah, I, I get your point, Colin. And the frustrating thing with, with Tom Roderick is he's only twenty eight. So you would mm-hmm. be expecting at this age for him to be hitting his peak. Maybe that's yep. an old-fashioned thing for me. I always expected players to be just coming into their, their absolute finest um, at that at that stage, their, their absolute vintage. But um, will a, a new manager come in, assess what Roderick's done over the last couple of seasons and think that he is worthy of the, the, the vast wages that he's currently on, isn't he? He's one of the highest earners. Mm-hmm. Um, I think the time is running out for players like Roderick and Griffiths. Um, and there'll be a few others as well. I know that one of your favourites is on the bench today and near beat on Colin. He, I mean, he disappeared from view for weeks and weeks and all of a sudden he's back on the bench. Um, I, I actually expect that type of player uh, to believe in Celtic, um, along with Incham, because obviously his Marseille move hasn't worked out. I would expect him to find another club in France. And uh, the frustration for me is there's no way we're going to get the value that we would have expected. I mean, we're talking about Lee Griffiths potentially being freed, Colin. That's, mm-hmm. I mean, that's criminal. That's bad business. But you know, we're in a situation where what else can you do with Lee Griffiths? I mean, that is the thing. Is it bad business? Because, again, you're talking about someone who's probably one of the highest earners at the club and someone that probably hasn't contributed properly now for the last four or five seasons. He's a, he's a person that's received a lot of support from Celtic and you're kind of looking for that to be repaid and he's not really done it over the last couple of years. I mean, I know you get to the point where he said, well, he scored over 100 goals for Celtic. is probably, pound for pound, one of the best signings that we've made over the last decade or so. But eventually everybody has a kind of time where it's it's time for them to move on. And for me, I think Lee Griffiths needs a fresh start, especially if he wants to prolong his career. Because um, he's not going to get the game time at Celtic. He's not going to be the person that comes in and plays 40, 50 games and scores you 25, 30 goals. He's not showing that and he's not showed it for years. No, I, I agree with that. I agree with that. And that's why yeah. it's so frustrating, Colin, because you know if there was going to be one manager that Lee Griffiths was going to thrive under, it was going to be Neil Lennon, wasn't it? I mean, mm-hmm. Lenny was the man who brought him in. Um, completely different style from Brennan Rodgers in terms of his expectations around the 24-hour athlete, which obviously Ronnie Dyla... You know, ironically enough, Griffiths had his best season under Ronnie Dyla. Um, mm-hmm. But I, I would have expected that to, to be a, a meeting of minds between Lenny and Griffiths in terms of their approach to the game. It didn't work out this time round. Now, no disrespect, Colin, but Sean South's asking if you're on the bucky. The reason I brought this up... <laughs> 
No. The reason that was a Ribena um, uh, is so that we can give the Snots a wee shout out because the Snots obviously tweeted out last night um, their number one award from the UK official uh, charts with a bottle of the tonic. So obviously it's still a popular uh, drink of choice in West Lothian. Big shout out to the Snots. I know the lead singer is a Celtic supporter. So if you're watching, uh, tremendous, absolutely tremendous achievement, Colin. I know you're into your music. Mm-hmm. I done really, really well. I think they had a, as as much as probably not a lot of people will understand this. They had quite a bit of a battle on their hands to get to number one this weekend. Um, I believe they were up against Demi Lovato's new album, um, who has a kind of mega pulling power across a certain kind of demographic. And it's probably. Well, I was going to say Paul Paul Johns probably cancelled out his album of the Snuts because he bought Demi Lovato's as well. So. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just looking at all these great I'm looking at all these great bands coming out of the, this hotbed of talent um, and we've had a couple actually in the studio we had one last night and uh, we've also been speaking to Dictator uh, Luke LaVault you've got uh, obviously Lewis Capaldi uh, Susan Boyles from that area you know and they're all Celtic fans <laughs> What are you laughing at? They're all Celtic fans. It's just you talking about this hotbed of young talent coming through and then throwing someone like Susan Boyle in there. Didn't he knock, <laughs> didn't he knock Sus- Susan Boyle? Didn't he knock her, man? Fantastic singer, but she's not Superb. young at all. And she's a big Celtic fan, so she gets my vote. Um, what were you thinking, Laura, uh, over the, the last few days when you were um, reading Dedrick Boyata's take on his departure? Uh, from Susan Boyle to Dedrick Boyata, we've got it all in a Celtic state of mind. What was your thoughts? Uh, I think it speaks to a wider narrative about, um, you know, perhaps that we have rushed to judgment on players um, when they've left the club. I think the same thing happened with Dembele, the, the, but the, the tables have turned on that. I think as much as uh, I have frustration and, and still anger at the way that Brendan Rodgers left and the timing of his leaving, I think I have a lot more sympathy for him than I did before in terms of I can see the frustrations uh, that he must have had trying to manage the club under the, the regime that he was under. So I think it's probably taught me a lot of lessons about... Um, you know, not always jumping to the worst and assuming that that the player is at fault. At fault. <laughs> I'm just reading the, the banner there, and um, that'll be a, hopefully be a banner at Celtic Park when we get back in. Um, but uh, no, I, I think it just it just says a lot and it teaches us a lot of lessons about you know if things look iffy on the surface it's probably because they are and it's not necessarily always down to the player, which I think is the first conclusion that we jump to a lot of the time. Yeah, I mean, I, I find it interesting that um, around about the time when Brennan Rogers was this, you know, untouchable messiah, uh, you were, I guess, you know, as fans, you you would um, you would kind of back him up, wouldn't you? And I remember around about that time being at the game and the banner coming out, um, and even around about that time, Lee Griffiths was getting interviewed and he was talking about how uh, the badge on the front's more important than the name on the back of the jersey and all this kind of stuff, Colin. Um, so you know, I think Boyata uh, remained silent. Uh, and for some time, actually, on, on the matter. But it now sounds as though, once you get the his side of the tale, that he was very much thrown under the bus by Brendan Rodgers, wasn't he? There's been quite a few of those instances. I think you've, you've heard it from certain players that have left the club, um, even down to the kind of youth team level with guys like Jack Aitchison, who have come out and told their side of the story, Calvin Miller telling their side as well. 
we kind of we discuss all these topics on these shows, but at the end of the day, the players have never really had the chance to come out and say what their side of the story is. You're only getting to see what Celtic are telling you or what the press are telling you um, or what you're hearing from inside the club. But I, I, I've got a lot of respect for Dedrick Boyata. Um, I think he quite quietly went about his business. I know he kind of had that period where he refused to play or was advised to refuse to play by his agent. But I mean, quite quietly, he worked himself back into the team. He gave everything whilst he was still playing for us. Um, and it was disappointing to see him kind of leave in the circumstances that he did. We've now kind of found out what happened behind the scenes and what led to that. And maybe it's just a case of not judging every book by its cover. Yeah, it was interesting. I'm always, um, you know, interested to hear what Excel say, some good, some bad, some indifferent. Uh, but the Boyata story was one that I was interested to read uh, because it does paint Brennan Rogers in a different light. But while we're on the subject of Celtic managers, we're in a situation now where it would seem um, that Eddie Howe's agent is looking down south to see what kind of options are available uh, and therefore we've been a little bit premature in thinking that uh, Celtic have this deal over the line it's still active, it's still live but Colin, I'll ask you first uh, do you think the club um, are already looking at option 2, 3 and possibly even 4 at this moment in time? I generally don't think so I honestly don't there's nothing that suggests that we're a club that's already got a backup plan if something doesn't go through I think they're just going back and reworking this deal and reworking and reworking it, taking their time on it. He's their number one choice. And then if he eventually turns it down, they'll go and work on something else. It's not like Celtic to be forward planning to have a plan B if something goes wrong. The reason I ask, Laura, we know that uh, there's been discussions, obviously, with Eddie Howe. We also know that there's been discussions with Roy Keane. Uh, hopefully, Russell Boyce is watching because he was driving the Roy Keane bus for a while. Um, I would expect one or two others over and above that. I mean, I don't know for sure, but you would expect three or four on the shortlist, wouldn't you? And if that's the case, and if Colin is right and we haven't been pursuing anyone else, we really could be left with egg on our faces once it comes round to the summer and a decision's made by Eddie Howe. Yeah, well, the, the the criticism we've had of Peter Lowell and the way that Neil Lennon was appointed was this old, uh, and I hate reusing the same phrases, but this this idea that they didn't look at the rest of the applications that were in the in the drawer. So you would hope that, although what Colin's saying is right, we've got a track record of that thing, you would hope they've learned from that mistake and have uh, a few plates spinning, so to speak, in, in the whole um, search for a manager and do have a plan A, B, C and D. Um, the one thing I would say is I, I'm not as negative about it being a back and forth uh, for Eddie Howe and it being more difficult to convince him to come because that suggests to me that he's quite principled and that's what I would look for in a manager going forward. Um, I think he would, if he did get it over the line, he would be able to then you know hold hold court as far as what he wants to to happen would be concerned and I also think it's no bad thing to have a manager who's looking at other options because that suggests he have a, has other options and if he does have other options then he must be a desirable candidate for any club and, and those are the type of people we should be going after you don't want to be going after somebody that nobody else will touch with a barge pole I can think of one other person we've spoken to that might come into that category and uh, uh, I think I worded that alright to get away with it I'm not <laughs> confirming or denying yeah. but uh, but you know you know that's what I mean it's like it, it's trying to 
trying to appreciate that if you're wanting to go for the best you have to expect these things to happen because the the best things in life don't come easy as they say I think that's a song lyric from somewhere Demi Lovato maybe <laughs> <laughs> I'll, I'll, con- I'll confirm that at half time uh, Laura I think that that really is a, a good way to sum up the situation at the moment the players are on the park um, so we're going to join the action and we will be back at half time to analyse the first half against Livingston thank you Colin Watt Thank you, Laura Bradburn, for joining me on A Celtic State of Mind. What's up, guys? This is MMA fighter Clay Guida, and I'm not afraid of anyone or anything, but losing my hair was an entirely different kind of fight. So if you're suffering from hair loss like I was, then you got to check out my boys at Bosley. Pound for pound, they are the champions of hair restoration. That's why I turned to Bosley to get my hair back. The entire Bosley team was so professional and kind from start to finish. All it took was a simple one-day procedure, and I was on my way back to rocking my full hair again. So take it from me. Don't wait if you are thinning or receding. I'm so thrilled with my results, I just wish I would have went to Bosley sooner. It's time to finally knock out hair loss because the best is yet to come. Check out Bosley today. When MMA fighter Clay Guida was losing his hair, he trusted Bosley to get it back. Now it's your turn. Get a free information kit, plus get a $250 off gift card when you text SCORE to 203203. That's text SCORE to 203203. Don't wait. Text SCORE to 203203. As the number one audio company, iHeartMedia gives you access to all. Every audience, live conversations, trusted influencers, and the insights and data you need to grow iHeartMedia is your access company. Go to iHeartResults.com for more. Sports Social Podcast Network. Sports Social Podcast Network. Sports Social Podcast Network. At Discount Tire, we know your time is valuable. Get 30% shorter average wait time when you buy and book online. Did you know Discount Tire now sells wiper blades? Check out our current deals at DiscountTire.com or stop in and talk to an associate today. Discount Tire. Let's get you taken care of. Sports Social Podcast Network. Sports Social Podcast Network. Sports Social Podcast Network. Sports Social Podcast Network. Network.